This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller, as always, and we're bringing in Pat Trana, host of Lockdown Giants and lead writer and publisher for GiantsCountry.com, which is part of the Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network. We're getting ready for Week 15, Giants 5-8, and eight, Saints 6-7. and seven. Not exactly the most thrilling lead-in, but when you look at the NFL, that's basically every NFC matchup these days is 6-7 and seven versus 5-8. and eight versus seven and six. There's not a lot of great teams in the NFL, but the Giants are one of those teams that is playing good football right now, which I think is the determining factor between having fun and not having fun in the NFL. You know, it's Tommy DeVito. It's all of this. But, you know, what has what has the last kind of month been like for for the Giants, Pat? Because it does seem like it's been a wild ride. Yeah, it's it's been a almost like a, a rebirth, if you will. I mean, the Giants season at one point, two and eight, team was left for dead and then you know you have all these injuries you know Daniel Jones goes down with an ACL Tyrod Taylor goes down with a ribcage injury and now all of a sudden you've got to turn to the third string quarterback who was supposed to be on the practice squad this year and he comes in and lo and behold he works some magic and uh we've got Tommy DeVito mania going on right now in New York and it's really been a, a great story it's galvanized the locker room. It's it's absolutely energized the fan base. And here we are. You know, you mentioned uh, before that, you know, not exactly an exciting matchup. Well, the Giants are one game out of the wild card race. All right. The Saints, as, as you guys know, they're trying to win the, the uh, NFC South. So y- you actually have a game that's worth tuning into, I right. think. And, you know, uh, you mentioned, obviously, the, the big hype has been around – uh, the, the resurgence of the offense with uh, DeVito at the helm. But, man, oh, man, that Big Blue's defense has been pretty bad 
Well, and bad in a good way, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely ha- – Wink Martindale, you know, the, yeah. the players love him. They love him for his aggressiveness, for putting him in the right position to make plays, for, for listening to their feedback. It, it's like one big happy family. He challenges them. They challenge him. And they are playing lights out. And you can see the confidence building week by week. You've got some guys who are just playing lights out football. Dexter Lawrence, the interior defensive lineman, who's probably, you know, you can make a case for being the best or one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. Inside linebacker Bobby O'Karake, who was their prized free agent signing in the offseason. He's having a whale of a game, uh, of a season rather. The rookie Deontay Banks at cornerback, their first round draft pick. You know, forget about what pro football focus grades say. This kid's playing lights out and is on his way to etching his name as a number one cornerback. So you're getting high level of play from the defense, not just from individuals. Kayvon Thibodeau, I forgot to mention him. He's playing really well. So you're getting high level of play from this Giants defense. And, you know, suddenly now you have complimentary football, which you really didn't have from the Giants earlier in the season. Somehow with a name like Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm shocked that he's not from Louisiana. That <laughs> sound like a Louisiana guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's an L.A. guy, so. Um, yeah, the other L.A. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> you know, the Giants are fascinating. And, and you know, I watched fair share of the Giants games and, you know, the 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 relationship between uh, Brian Dayball and, and Wink is is interesting. And, you know, there's been all these stories that they don't like each other. And I, I think, you know, when and you're kind of dealing with some of that in the Saints locker room, too. Right. You had like the center arguing with the head, arguing with the quarterback and everyone's like, oh, no, what's wrong? But I think like a lot of times people lose track of the fact that it's like these, those, these guys don't have to be best friends, but the product has to be good. And you can as long as the product works, it doesn't really matter whether they want to hang out on the you know, on Wednesdays and, and get beers. It's like, are they is it a, is it a good collaboration? And it, it seems like while it did hit its hit the rocky parts there, you know, particularly, you know, that the Bills game was weird where. You know, they, they didn't they had it at the one yard line tw- at the end of the first half and the second half didn't score either time and, and lost the game. They probably should have won. But it does seem like when you're a player's coach and I, I, I we had Jalen Smith here earlier in the season and I asked him about playing for for Brian because you hear about the players love him and it's like, OK, but is that just kind of a reputation thing? But do that. And I asked him straight up and he was like, yeah, I love that guy, which is interesting to me because he doesn't even play there anymore. Um, so, you know, what is kind of your read on that situation? Because I think second year head coach teams regress to some extent, make the playoffs year one, suddenly you're two and eight. How has that kind of uh, developed over this season as you watched it? I think with Brian Dable, the thing he has prioritized is building relationships in the locker room. Because when you build relationships, now you can weather just about any type of storm. Case in point. He has a great relationship with Tyrod Taylor. So you think Tyrod Taylor would have, you know, taken the news that he wasn't getting his starting job back lying down, you know, the way he did? No, he handled it professionally. Mark Lewinsky's another one, <clears throat> excuse me, at the start of the season, he was benched and he took the news, you know, like a pro. So that comes from, you know, building relationships, being trans, uh, being transparent with guys you know, not feeding them a line saying, okay, I've got an open door to you. You come by anytime you need to talk to me and practicing it. Not that also comes from, you know, not throwing guys under the bus, 
for taking the, the heat, you know, pointing the finger at yourself when things go wrong. So Dable has done all that stuff with the players in the locker room. Now, as far as the coaching staff goes, you know, a player years ago once gave me a really good line, and I absolutely love it. I think it's applicable here. At the end of the day, you want to have as many guys taking the same cab home as opposed to having, you know, 53 guys taking 53 cabs home. Now, like you said, it doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends with people. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to invite them over for a pool party or a beer or pizza or whatever, but there has to be a mutual respect. And I think we could all talk about, you know, people in our business that we come across that we respect the work they do. We might not, you know, necessarily think that they're the type type of people we'd want to hang out with, but as long as they, you know, we respect the work that they do and, and we can get along on the professional level, that's really all you can ask for. So Dable and, and Wink, they have two very different personalities, I think. Um, but winning does cure a lot of ailments. And right. Uh, right now they're winning. The defense, you know, has been playing a lot better, as I mentioned. They're not getting blown out of the water like they were earlier in the year. So that has gone a long way, I think, to smoothing over some of the, you know, Bruce feelings, if you will, and that existed in the coaching staffs. I do. I do wonder. So, you know, obviously they've won three games in a row. Not all three game winning streaks are created equally. Right. You know, you look at the Patriots. They should have beat the Jets. It should be uh, four games when you look at it. They should have beaten the Jets. They should have beaten. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. They beat the Patriots. You know, one of probably the second worst team behind the Panthers. They beat the Commanders, who are not exactly, you know, a dynamo. And then this win over the Packers. I feel like that's the win where you look at it and you're like, okay, this is yeah. something you can build on. But how real do you think this winning streak is in terms of have they turned it around or is it at least in part the competition that you're looking at? I think that's a fair question. But, you know, at the end of the day, to use a, a, a cliche, the guys on the other side of the ball get paid as well. Yes, they do. And, you know, people talk about, oh, teams should tank. You know, the Giants should tank. The Patriots should tank. This team should tank. We've heard I it too. Think, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you're going to find very many people who actually play on those teams that agree with the concept of, of tanking. Amen. I know fans – like that because it means a higher draft pick, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a stud in the draft. It increases your chances. Yes, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. So, you know, the Patriots, you still had to beat Bill Belichick. All right. His defenses are known for creating confusion for young quarterbacks. And that was one of my key storylines going into that game. I wondered how Tommy DeVito would fare against, you know, the, the different disguises and, funky things that Belichick's defenses are known to, to present, you know, Washington, you know, the giants have had Washington's number for, for the longest time now, you know, <laughs> it's the one saving grace in the NFC East for the giants because they have yet to figure out how to, you know, decipher the, the puzzle that is Philadelphia and Philadelphia. Dallas. So, you know, but I, I think, you know, on, on the, to answer your original question, you can look at the competition and, and say that maybe that was part of it, but at the end of the day, those guys on the other side of the ball, they have pride and, you know, they're not going to lay down, I, th I think, and just say, OK, Giants, do whatever you want to us. I, I, I just don't see that. Uh, obviously, we, the veto has been the talk of the town, like we've been saying. Uh, but I still think that the guy that stirs the strength for this offense has to be running back Saquon Barkley, right? Yeah, Saquon's been really good. He missed a few games earlier in the year because of a high, uh, high ankle sprain that he had. He's come back and he's basically carried the load. And what I like about what he's doing is basically the coaches are using him 
the way that we had been seen, you know, in the spring and the summer, you know, they with, with more passing routes, wheel routes and all that stuff. We know that they well got too. away from that, you know, for whatever the reason earlier in the year. And, and then they've gone back to it to kind of help DeVito, you know, take some of the onus off of him. And I, and, and I sit here and I say to myself, where was this stuff last year? Where was this stuff, you know, earlier in the year? Um, so you're finally seeing that now Saquon, you know, he's, he's perfectly, you know, he has embraced the role of, of being the, the bell cow, if you will. Right. And, you know, he's, he's held up pretty well. So he is an important part of this offense. And it's fair to wonder, you know, would they have the success that they're having without him in the lineup? Um, you know, so uh, one thing that is interesting about this Giants team and you look at it and it's the Giants and the Vikings blitz the most in football, right? The the Vikings blitz like 47% of the time. The Giants blitz 41% of the time, something like that. Is that, you know, and, and it, it does feel like, you know, there is a calling card for certain defenses. And with Wink, it is you're going to create pressure. You're going to make the quarterback have to adjust and work on the fly. I think Derek Carr kind of said that, he, he compared it to Bill Belichick in the sense that when you're by the end of the game against Bill Belichick defense, you're just mentally exhausted because you're constantly seeing different looks. And he, he compared that to Wink and said the same thing. I think he was with Baltimore for a long time. I know Carr played uh, with the Raiders against Baltimore. Is that kind of what when, when you're when you're looking at this this Giants defense, is that kind of the. Uh, what you have to navigate the most in terms of how do you beat this Giants defense? Well, if you allow the pressure to dictate how the game goes, they have a much better chance. Yeah, I mean, Wink Martindale has always said that their number one objective is to make the quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket. You know, sacks are great. If you could get a sack on every play, wonderful. But how many teams can actually do that? Not not a whole lot. I mean, certainly not in the, the time I've covered the NFL. So quarterback pressures, hits, you know, forcing early throws, all those factor into the press, the pressure package. And when you evaluate the success rate that the Giants have had with their blitz packages, how what percentage are they creating hurry throws, force throws, um, hits, the sacks? You just add that all together. They've had a fairly good uh, ratio in, in that regard. And that's what Wink looks for. And he, you're right. He does it through a variety of different looks and trickery and whatnot. And uh, it just seems, you know, especially with the younger quarterbacks who maybe haven't seen some of these uh, exotic looks, Wink just likes to, you know, throw one in there just to kind of see if you're, you know, asleep at the switch. Uh, special teams uh, always seems to be a factor, uh, especially in these. T- I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's wild that uh, the Saints are giving six points uh, heading into this matchup. But I know there were some issues at place kicker with the Giants. But since making the switch, things have been pretty good, right? Uh, special teams on the whole, not real. Eh. I mean, happy, right happy, happy. Um, <laughs> the Giants, of course, have had they had Graham Gano, their kicker. He is on IR with a knee injury. Um, they signed Randy Bullock, who was actually with the team, I think, in, in 2016, I think it was, or 15. He came in after, I think it was uh, the Josh Brown fiasco. Oh, but wow, uh, yeah. Randy Bullock, yeah, Randy Bullock came in. He missed one last week, uh, okay. a chip shot that he probably should have made. Yeah. But really, you know, you talk about special teams. The Giants' special teams have been, to me, the most inconsistent unit on this team. 
You know, you see things like they don't have enough guys on the field or they have too many guys on the field or guys aren't maintaining lane integrity or they're committing stupid penalties or they're missing tackles. They're not making big plays. You know, last week they, they had a, a muff punt. I think that was the first big play they've made in, I want to say, in a couple of years. So special teams has kind of been up and down for the Giants. And, you know, I'd have to go back and, and confirm this and look, but you could probably make a case and say that there's been a few games over the last two years that special teams, because they fell short, have cost the team a chance at, at maybe winning. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I do find Randy Bullock to be kind of a funny, you know, solution for the Giants only because if you go back to week one of last year, it was Randy Bullock who missed the kick for the Titans that allowed them to kind of get off on the right foot and win that game. And uh, I've I've never been a big Randy Bullock fan. He's, it seems like he's played for every team in the NFL and he's always like the last option that everyone goes to. He can make kicks, but it's like, I, I don't think anyone when he ran out there for that game when it was like, oh, we got this, you know, it was, it was like, Anyway, uh, I'm not not a, trying to be a Randy Bullock hater. Um, <laughs> like it, yeah. I'm just not a fan. Not a fan. Um, anyway, so you know, one of the things the Packers game, one of the fascinating things from that game was that the Giants didn't allow a sack. And like, mm. I think normally you'd be like, yeah, whatever. It's just you know the. But I think the Giants lead the NFL in sacks allowed. I think it's something like 70 sacks allowed on the season, which is an insane number. Which, because like the Saints' offensive line isn't particularly impressive, I think they're like twenty-eight or something like that. And so, what what changed in that game relative to what you've seen this season? Um, other than you know, obviously Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets, he can move around a little bit, but so can Daniel Jones. It's not like you you went from a immobile quarterback to a mobile guy. Tyrod Taylor is mobile as well. He's still getting sacked. So, what was the difference for them in that game compared to what's happened all year? Well, I, first off, I think some of the sacks that have been charged to the offensive line are not really on them. Tommy okay. DeVito, you know, coming in and even Daniel Jones to an, to an extent, sometimes they're guilty of holding the ball a little too long. I mean, when you look at their average time to throw on pro football focus and you see that number is above 2.8, uh, 2.5 rather, that's holding on to the ball a little too long. So that comes down to processing. And the key, I think, for, for any quarterback to to be to avoid being sacked, in addition to having some mobility and being able to slide around in the pocket, is you have to process what you are seeing really quickly. So that was a problem for Daniel Jones. I still don't think he processes as quickly as he needs to at this stage in the career. Now, with Tommy DeVito, that was a problem early on. Last week against the Packers, they simplified things a little bit. I think they they went one or two reads tops. They didn't ask him to go to a third or fourth read. They were getting the ball out of his hand quicker. And when you are able to do that, get rid of the ball quicker under in under 2.5 seconds, you are probably going to avoid being sacked. And, you know, th- this is the same offensive line combination now they've had for several weeks. It's not an all-star combination Andrew Thomas is really your only true stud on that line, and he's banged up uh, with that knee issue. That being said, you help your offensive lineman out 
by getting rid of the ball quicker, by processing quicker and making quicker decisions. And I think that was a big difference in DeVito's game last week as opposed to maybe what we saw in the first couple of games. I know that uh, Darren Waller is, you know, a question mark for this game. He's being, you know, activated off of IR. You think there's a chance that he'd be able to suit up and play or too, too soon for him? I'm thinking it might be too soon for him. I, I, I mean, look, I'd love to see him in there. Sure. But I, you know, I, and I wrote this. Um, I'm surprised that, they're, that they opened his window on Thursday as opposed to not earlier in the week. Um, earlier in the week, Brian Dable, when asked about Waller, kind of implied that he wasn't ready yet, that he was getting okay. close, but he wasn't quite there. So I'm thinking maybe Waller, I believe he was limited in, in Thursday's practice, his first practice. Yeah. But I'm thinking he's going to maybe need another week before he's ready. So I would say probably by next week we should see him. But, you know, we'll see how he how he does Thursday. We'll see how he does, uh, you know, Friday and during the walkthrough. But uh, I'd be surprised if we see him this week. Yeah, my my guess on the timing of it, because it was weird. Typically, you'd see so if they were going to bring him back, it'd be on Wednesday. I think it's because they played on Monday, so they could didn't be. actually have a practice on Wednesday. It was like the estimated injury yeah. report or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that would be my guess in terms of why it happened. Yeah. Um, my my only other question, and it's only because you know this is a Giants team that I would say doesn't have a true wide receiver one right now. You know, they tried to get it in Kenny Galladay, and that was an unmitigated <laughs> disaster. Um, and now you're looking at. You know, a, an interesting wide receiver core, but not one that I think many people around the league would say, oh, yeah, that's that guy's a stud. That guy's a stud. But who out of that group? And I and I think I have an idea of what you're going to say, but who out of that group would you say it's like if you're a Saints fan at the end of this game, you'd be like, I hate that guy. You know, he just keeps making plays. <laughs> well, I mean, Wandale Robinson has come on. Good for him. Yeah. He, he had the, uh, you know, the ACL last year. Yep absolutely devastated him and he's been coming on and he's been working hard and, you know, he's getting into a groove. Um, Jalen Hyatt, their draft pick, third round draft pick. He's a guy you need to look out for. I mean, Jalen Hyatt, I, I've spoken to him numerous times and he keeps telling me, I want to show that I could be so much more than just a stretch the field type of guy. I want to be able to run everything. You know, he's still get acclimating obviously to the NFL, to the different routes and, and uh, you know, different assignments and whatnot, but he's coming along. So he's a guy that they, that I know they like, um, you know, Paris Campbell fate kind of faded from the, the, the landscape. They were, I, I never understood what their plan was for Paris Campbell. And now he's dealing with that knee injury. Um, he's got speed and I think he could be a good receiver, but he just never really fit in here. Isaiah Hodgins kind of, you know, drifted, out of the scene after, you know, coming on so strong midpoint last year. And then you've got the veteran Sterling Shepard, who is still, you know, he can still get open and he still plays fearlessly, but he's kind of at the back end of his career. So I would say the two guys to keep an eye on from the Giants receiver core, obviously uh, Jalen Hyatt and Wondell Robinson, those two are going to be part of the future of this receiving core moving forward. And then yeah, I, one, I left out Darius Slayton. I can't forget about Slayton, but just been you know, around Slayton, forever, right? <laughs> yeah, he's been around, but you know, Slayton is kind of—I uh, don't know if I would necessarily put him in, in contention for a number one receiver spot. Yeah, Wandale is fat, like a fascinating guy because he's so small, and it's like, well, how do they use him? And I try to like—he kind of reminds me of, like a Percy Harvin, 
where it's like you just get the ball in his hands and let him do what he does. Because uh, I know he had that big – he had a big game against the Packers. I think he was probably one of the bigger reasons they won that game, particularly mm. that lot, that last catch down the sideline. Has he – you know, have they kind of figured out how to use him in terms of – like I don't know if at the beginning of the season they really had a plan, but it seems like the last few – last month or so they've kind of just had – they've figured him out a little bit. Yeah, I think in the beginning of the season, you remember, he was coming off the ACL right. injury. And he was basically on pup the entire summer. So he, they had to get him back in. They had to get him up to speed, acclimated. You know, he had to build, in, build up confidence playing on that knee. And that took some time. So now I think what you're seeing is, you know, he's playing at a higher level. The confidence is sky high. And, and to your point, yeah, I think they always knew how they wanted to deploy him. And they're finally getting around to doing that. You know, you, you, Wandale is is kind of like, um, uh, I hate to use this term because I hate the term, but a human joystick. You know, you can have them run jet sweeps. You can have them run out of the backfield. You can send them wide. You can send them on slants. I mean, you can do so much with him. And he's a good yard after the catch guy. And his separation, I mean, he's averaging, I think, over three yards separation, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. When was the last time a Giants receiver averaged that kind of separation? I can't remember it. Probably Odell. You'd have to go back to Odell probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anything else, Steve? Uh, no, definitely looking forward to this matchup. Unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of more uh, blue in this stadium again. We've dealt with uh, Honolulu blue, Process blue, and now Big Blue from the G-Men coming in. I, I know the New York fans travel well. Yeah, and this is a, this is one of the sweet trips on the schedule. I right, mean, New exactly. Orleans, Everyone looks forward to it. What's not to love about New Orleans? It's a great <laughs> city, great food, great atmosphere. Uh, the people are fantastic. But I will say this: the Caesar's Superdome has been a somewhat something of a house of horrors for the Giants in recent years. I looked this up since that building opened. I think the Giants are five and eight playing in the Superdome. And they've had some weird things happen. Remember the game? 50, it was like 52 to 49. Oh, yeah. And the Giants lost that game. That was, wild game. That, was that was back with yeah. the Eli Manning era. I want to say about 2014 or something like that. So weird things tend to happen to, for the Giants in the Superdome, which I you know, kind of affectionately refer to as the House of Horrors. Because, <laughs> right, right. Like I said, funky things happen down there. Well, it was funky last time with that fourth quarter 11-point comeback. That Saints yeah. fans are still reeling from that. Yeah, exactly. That game, I will never forget that game. Uh, I think it was 2015. And I remember Eli had six touchdowns oh. and Drew yep. had seven. And mm-hmm. it was like the names that caught touchdowns. Like, obviously, Odell was there. But then it's like, I think Dwayne Harris had two touchdowns. Like, guys, that you've Everybody never Everybody was catching. It was like, you get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, you get a touchdown. Right. <laughs> it was insane. And I also will never forget the Brad Wing face mask. Because <laughs> uh, he's, he's he was an LSU guy. Everyone's like, ah, thanks, Brad. He had yeah. one last gift to Louisiana. But, but like, like I said, the, uh, the the house of horrors, funky things happen when the yeah. Giants play in that Superdome building. I don't know why, but y- there's a history. Gotcha. Well, yeah, at least, if nothing else, we'll have a good time. But all right. Yeah, let's, get, let's get weird on Sunday. Let's there you go. Get weird. <laughs> Pat Traina, host of Locked on Giants, lead writer, publisher of GiantsCountry.com. Part of the Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network. Thanks so much for the time. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks again, Pat Traina, for coming on. She's great. Um, I know she's covered the Giants forever. She's covered the Giants since long before I moved away from Giants country. 
um, for, for basically everybody. So it was fun. It was a fun talk. And I think she got to a lot of interesting points there. You know, uh, I, again, you know, when I asked her about the receivers, I had a feeling the first name out of her mouth is going to be Wandale Robinson because he's going to be a guy that drives saints fans insane on Sunday because the saints want to lock up man to man on the outside. They want to get physical. They want to jam guys, but he's just not going to give them that opportunity, right? He's going to be running, catching screens, doing a lot behind the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden he's going to catch the ball in space with no one around him. And you're going to be like, son of a bitch. Ah, right. <laughs> like he's going to be a guy that drives you nuts, but past that, like they don't have any real scary traditional wide receivers. And, you know, like uh, I know we're, we're going to talk a little bit about what Deuce had to say on the show this week um, in terms of stopping the run. But it's like at the end of the day, I think if you can stop the run and force Tommy DeVito to beat you, right, the NFC player of the week who probably didn't deserve to be the NFC player of the week. Let's be real. But he may, got that award because he ran the ball for 70 yards, not because he threw for 122 and didn't make any mistakes. Yeah, that's, man, and that's scary. Obviously, that's what I'm worried about. And so, if you can, if you can't bottle up Saquon, if you can't stop him from running, he's going to be another one of those one read and out guys that Cam Jordan hates so much. Like that's the answer. But you know, it is. I think it's funny. Like you look at these two teams, and it's the expectation versus reality thing, right? Like you're talking at a team that started two and eight, and suddenly it's like you know house money, I guess. And they're they're actively sure, right. running their draft pick every week. Like they they own their first round pick they're actively ruining it and the fans are still having a good time. You know, so I just think it's kind of funny. And they really don't have a good chance to get to the playoffs because they're in a division with the Cowboys and the Eagles and they've already played the Cowboys twice, got their shit rocked twice. And now they they got to go play the Eagles twice again whereas the Saints are like right there and and everyone's mad about it. Now that's a great point you bring up right there is like you're like you said the team is definitely ruining their active draft positioning, but guess what? They, they've got a quarterback now that everybody's latched onto there. And it suddenly is like the, you know, Mr. I, I don't even know what you, you, you want to elevate him. This story is, is definitely a huge feel good story. A local dude. It's kind of, I love how, you know, the Cajun cannon, Bobby a bear equates it obviously similar to similar to him, a guy that grew up in Louisiana and got to play for the saints kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, just a really uh, amazing story for DeVito. Just uh, hoping he gets whacked in the dome on Sunday, though. I saw a post on Saints Reddit that was like, well, so Tommy DeVito is like the the quintessential New Jersey guy, right? The Paisan. Hey, and they were like, well, who would that be for, for the Saints? And I was like, what are you talking about? We already know who that would be for the Saints because we've seen it happen. He's still here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's such a strange question. <laughs> like, it's obviously Bobby, right? Like, I mean, who else would it be? Um, anyway, I just thought that yeah, was and I funny. Yeah, I know fans are obviously dreaming of Jaden Daniels in the draft, but he's not even a local dude. No, he's, he's a West Coast guy. Right. right. Uh, anyway, but all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to hear – I do want to hear from Deuce in terms of, like, what his keys are for this game. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more about, you know, the the blitzes and all that. And we're going to get into some X factors. Again, thanks to Pat Trainer for coming on. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, why not? Go ahead. Do it. It's our 100th episode this season, which is just stupid. Like, why? Is, how, how have we possibly done 100 episodes this season? That's gross to think about. What have we said all of these times? I never have anything to say, yet somehow we've done this a hundred times. You've been a huge Dennis Allen slash Derek Carr stand this entire time. My back hurts from carrying all this water all these times. Man. All right. Uh, Stick around, y'all. We'll be right back.